I'd like to draw a little bit of a diagram on the board of the streets where we were working on in Cedar Rapids this week. And I didn't think that eraser was working very good for Earl, so I thought I'd bring this along up to help me out. Amen. We will be forever grateful for the good word of God that we memorized and, and hid in our hearts in the days and years and into eternity. I believe this little exercise is a good thing that we are doing. So let's press in and, and not be weary in, in doing that. Thank you, Brendan, for leading out in that. All right, I think uh, before we begin here, uh, I don't know how many of you heard the trouble that uh, Preston's and Rodney's are having in Niger, but there was a somewhat of a terrorist attack not too far away from them. Someone, uh, eight people, if I'm not mistaken, or so were killed. And so the authorities there in, in uh, their town requested them to leave. I believe that must be a week or two ago already when that actually happened, at least a week. And so they're, they're out in Niamey, just probably at the mission out there, Baptist mission, just praying and Trying to figure out what to do next. I, I, I didn't hear a very recent report, if they have any idea yet, but uh, uh, I'm sure they would really appreciate us praying for them, first of all, for their safety and also for a direction where to go from here if they should go back. I think they left pretty quickly, probably left most of their things behind. I'm not sure about that, but in whatever Whatever, they do need our prayers, and along with that, also pray for uh, Jonathan's and Michael's, which is an ever-changing situation in Haiti. It's safe one day and not so safe the next, so I'm sure they would like our prayers as well. So let's spend a little time praying for them. Why don't you all rise again to your feet? We'll stand before the Lord as we make this petition. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer this moment. We approach your throne in Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Father, for caring for us here on the earth. This world is, is not, a, not a good place to be exactly, Lord. We, there's lots of trouble in our world today, lots of unrest, lots of needs which you know all about, Lord, and you care for your children, and you ask us, you tell us to pray. Pray for each other. Pray for those in needs. Come to you and pray. And we do that now, Lord, in behalf of Preston's and Rodney's and Michael's and Jonathan's and many, many other missionaries abroad. 
but particularly these this morning, Lord, we lift up those in Niger there that you would watch over them. You would be with them and you would give them peace. Right now, Lord, as their future, it seems like looks a bit uncertain. Oh, Father, be their Father. Be close to them. Give them peace as they wait on the Lord. And Lord, do direct their paths. God, give them direction where to go from here, how long to stay there. What all lies before them, Lord, you know very well. And I pray that they could walk in your path. They could find your will. You would put your protection upon them. You would give your angels charge over them, Lord, to keep them in all their ways. Lord, those little children, oh God, we pray you would bless their families and give them peace and grace as they feel probably like nomads, just not nowhere to call home, really. I pray you'd bless them and keep them. And also, Michael's and Jonathan's Lord, continue to be with them, give them peace, prosper their work, Lord, bless their work, bless their presence there, God, and use them for your glory. Thank you, God. Thank you for calling them there. We pray you'd use them and keep them safe, God. And Lord, we also ask you for your blessing upon the message here that's before us, Lord, and just the time of, uh, of looking into your word, Lord, and being blessed and challenged and encouraged with your word again, Lord. Thank you for your rich word. Lord, it shall never, never pass away. And we can build our lives and trust our souls upon it, Lord. So we pray for your blessing. We pray against Satan that would hinder and, 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 and try to steal and snatch up the word. We pray that you would foil his plans, Lord, and you would prosper the word wherever it goes, that it would bring forth much fruit, Lord. Thank you for this time together. Thank you that we can be together, Lord, like this. We pray your blessing on the assembly of the saints. And those that are not with us, we pray for your sweet presence in their homes. Lord, as they listen and, and uh, watch the service, Lord. God, we trust you for the blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Well, if I can do a quick little drawing of the street we worked on this week. Need a little more room here. This is really out of proportion, of course. I'll make that a little different because the point I want to make needs a little more space. 
cut down on the driveways here a little bit. Okay. Marker can write on this board now. Okay, that's a little better. All right. Maybe I'll fill in some names as we go on there a little later. <clears throat> but anyway, I want to talk about the week we had in at least some of my experiences. I'll intertwine them into the message here. I'm going to be preaching out of uh, 2 Corinthians 8, where it talks about almsgiving and meeting the needs of the poor and needy and so on and and uh, just the blessing. I don't know how you found it. I expect you found it a little bit the way it was for me too. It was a blessing, wasn't it? It was a blessing to go there and just work and hear their stories and uh, see the need and uh, meet that need in a little way and then see the tears and the appreciation and the gratefulness that the folks had that we helped. It, it was such a blessing. And I think there's a lesson in that for us this morning. I was, uh, I asked David if he'd sing this song, uh, lead this song for us to uh, sing before the message here because I want to point something out uh, that I think makes a good point here. I can lay my eyes on it here. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. And to some of these people in Cedar Rapids, I believe they were pretty big billows this past week. As they, as they stepped out of their homes there on Monday afternoon, after being many of them being in their basements, and can you imagine just the unbelievable, indescribable, feeling that they had as they saw huge, ginormous shade trees laying in their neighbor's yard or on top of their houses or whatever. Uh, I'm still looking for the line here that I... uh, Yeah, here it is. It says, Though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate. And for many of them, I'm sure they felt very helpless as they looked out and saw trees this big around. And many of them don't even own a chainsaw, never ran a chainsaw. How in the world, what in the world are they ever going to do? Those first feelings. When the storm went through, I I had just delivered a shed the week before to someone in in Cedar Rapids on Mount Vernon Road. Some of you worked there yesterday. Derek was his name. Monday night I called him and he said, he he answered his phone. It was kind of on and off then already. But he said, it's bad, Elvin. He said... uh, my neighbor's tree is on my house roof. He said it isn't through yet, but 
as the weaker branches are breaking under this tree, he said, it's kind of still coming down. And, my, and later on, I talked to him again then that evening, and he said, it's starting to blow my house roof. I think it's going to come through. He said, it's going to be a long night. Well, that, that was hard on me. It was then 10 o'clock already. I mean, what can you do? I heard, I think I heard already there was a curfew. You couldn't, you couldn't go out and try to help even if you wanted to. But I just couldn't get him off my mind. Uh, that was Monday. Tuesday, different times, I tried to call people in Cedar Rabbits. No, no one would answer their phone. And uh, any landline phone wouldn't, you couldn't get through. And some of the cell phones were dead. They didn't have power to charge their phones. But I also kept calling the lumber yard where I have uh, sheds displayed at in Marion. Just wondering how they fared. Well, I couldn't get through, of course, so I just kind of dismissed it. And then sometime Tuesday afternoon, Andrew, I believe, texted me or told me that in Marengo, I have sheds as well, and Premier has a shed lot right across the street. He said he saw a picture of the Premier sheds, and they're all tumbled upside down. I hadn't even thought about Marengo sheds, so I called the lady there, that, that I, the lot owner, and she said, Elvin, your sheds are standing like strong soldiers. All right, I guess that's good. I mean, they are literally across the street from premier sheds. So I kind of expected the same in, in Marion, and I kind of, you know, dismissed it from my mind at the moment. Every now and then I got this feeling, well, I, I should be concerned about them up there, or see if they're okay, or, you know, whatever happened to them. Well, Wednesday came, and we went up there to Cedar Rabbits to start the cleanup, and sometime that day, Gary Porter from the lumberyard texted me, and said, uh, he said, when are you going to come and, and pick up what's left of your sheds in Marion? <laughs> he said, I sent you a picture. Well, my phone wouldn't download the picture there in Cedar Rapids because service was so bad. Well, then my heart really started beating like whatever. Well, let me back up. Uh, No, I'm, I'm a bit confused here on my days. When was the first day we were up there, Tyler? Was it Wednesday? <clears throat> yeah. That, uh, two, Wednesday we were up there. Okay. So, so now I knew my sheds were bad and I decided not to go up. Okay, well, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday night already my wife and I and the girls drove through Marion and we saw, we saw the sheds. So I decided not to go up there. On, on Thursday to help, but to go up and re, retrieve those sheds and get the junk out of the way that for them and so on. And one shed was still half okay, as some of you know. So on the way up there, I drove into Derek's house. It was right on the way where I had delivered a shed a week ago. And it, it was almost, I would say, as bad as Circle Drive. By the time we got there then on Friday and Saturday, People had cleaned up quite a bit, but it was very, very bad. But, you know, even on Tuesday already, I found it very hard to enjoy working in my shop. I just couldn't quite enjoy going on with life as usual with so many people uh, knowing that there are 
such a such a need up there, and I just had a hard time enjoying working that day. And but going up to to uh, Cedar Rabbits on Wednesday, then that was such a blessing. I'll let my, my hopes is not to go too long here, but let uh, some of you also share your experiences. I know you have some. The place where we stayed at, his name was Chad. And Mar- uh, 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 Myron has a real story to say about him. That's how we got there in the first place, I think. Well, we, we parked, that was our home base. Across the street here was the Haiti man. His name was Steve. And that is a whole story in itself, too. Tyler told me just a little bit about him minutes, I think, minutes before we gathered for orientation. And where my story really starts and my excitement is this man, Joe, and the Pratt's. And yes, it's spelled like Todd Pratt. And I believe he, he could be a first cousin to Todd, no doubt. He looked like Todd. And I meant to meet up with him again and ask him if he has relation out there in, in, in the Council Bluff, Omaha area where Todd, come, uh, Todd comes from. But anyway, this Steve fella, he is a, a very lively Christian. And so he shows up on our group, uh, by our group there in orientation. And before we know it, he says, I want to pray for you all. And he whips off his cap and he starts praying for this whole group gathered here in the yard. That was a blessing. Amen? For those of you that were there, that was a real blessing. And I started to see this is a God thing. God put us here without a doubt. Well, I hadn't met Joe yet. He didn't show up, but there was a driveway back through here. This is a large backyard, and it, it was all one big yard, Joe's and the Pratt's. I don't know, three, 400 feet, maybe as far from here to the new house up there apart. Something like that. With quite a few big trees at one time that were standing, and now either they're standing with a few leafless branches on it anymore or they're down on the neighbor's garage this guy had a tree on his neighbor's garage and Pratt's well Joe so we got permission from Steve and Joe and Chad to clean up their yards but Pratt's weren't at home so we 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 didn't we couldn't go onto their place because of a cam policy So their line was somewhere through the middle, but Joe had large trees and they were scattered throughout Pratt's backyard. So we started, of course, with Joe. We had the excavator, a skid loader, and I don't know, three, four or more chainsaw. Some people started raking up here around the house pretty soon. Pratt's weren't at home. And, but a lot of Joe's Branches had blown over on Pratt's backyard, so we decided it's okay to go over there and pick those branches up. But Joe, he, he really wanted us to clean up Pratt's backyard, too. They had a large pine tree that narrowly missed, a big branch came off of that and narrowly missed this corner of the house, which would have really done it in if it would have hit it. But he said he'll go over there and he'll start cutting their branches up, and which was fine with us. He was on his own. He said, I've done work for them. 
But I had the privilege, and here's the point that I want to make that blessed me so very much. They had a little uh, patio out the back here. And we were maybe working there an hour already. So there was lots of excitement, equipment moving, chainsaws buzzing, people, and the Prats came home. Didn't have a clue that anyone's going to be in their backyard. Well, we weren't cutting up their trees, but we were in their backyard cleaning up Joe's branches. And I wish I could show you the bewildered, amazed, indescribable look on their face. I had the privilege. I was standing somewhere right here. I think I was the first one that saw that they're home. Joe was back there. He's an 81-year-old man running a chainsaw. He's a lively fella. Sometimes he's on his feet. Sometimes he's on the ground falling and stumbling. But yeah, he said, I, I, I fall every now and then. But he was quite the guy. 81 years old. But the Pratt stood there, and I saw their heads do this thing. They were just, and they were just bewildered. I mean, they, that's not the right word. Just speechless. So I told uh, Tyler that they're back, they're home, that they could go over there and talk. He could go over there and talk with them. And, and uh, I think, did Joe go along too? I'm not sure if Joe went along or not. But uh, they're like, where do you guys come from? Who are you? You guys with your blue vest, you look like angels from heaven in our backyard. And they were choked up and couldn't, couldn't talk after we told them, you know, what, our, what we're all about. We're a volunteer service here. They were totally choked up, totally surprised, totally blessed. They had a, I don't know, an 18-year-old boy that, that helped us there in every way he could. And uh, that was the start of my experience. It was totally invigorating, totally reviving, just totally a blessing. And I'll give some more details as we go down through our text here and some of the points that I drew out of this that I want to draw out of this here in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that I think kind of make a point. So you can be thinking about some of your experiences and your stories. I'll have some more stories to say, especially of Joe. I sat with him for a little bit, and he told me some of the things that he had to say, and, and I'd be very interested in hearing some of your stories as well. But open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you aren't there yet, and let's read that. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. There's some old English in here that's a little bit hard to understand, and it helped me understand this much clearer if I read it in the Amplified Version, if you'll allow me to do that. The first 15 verses... Some of my verses are a bit longer because they're amplified, and uh, so I might say where I'm at so I don't lose you. I don't think it's that hard to follow. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. We want to tell you farther, brethren, about the grace 
the favor and spiritual blessing of God, which has been evident in the churches of Macedonia, arousing in them the desire to give alms. Verse 2. For in the midst of an ordeal of severe tribulation, their abundance of joy and their depth of poverty together have overflowed in wealth of lavish generosity on their part. So let me interject here. Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he's talking about the churches in Macedonia, Macedonia, their generosity. And he's trying to stir up the Corinthians. The Corinthians were very forward in many things, but there's, this was one thing they hadn't come through yet. They said they would, but they hadn't come through yet with their contribution. So he's kind of in a nice way trying to stir them up. Verse number three, for as I can bear witness, they gave according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, and they did it voluntarily. Verse four, begging us most insistently for the favor and the fellowship of contributing, contributing in this ministration for the relief and support of the saints in Jerusalem. Verse 5, nor was this gift of theirs merely their contribution that we expected. But first they gave themselves to the Lord and to us as his agents by the will of God. That is, entirely disregarding their personal interest, they gave as much as they possibly could, having put themselves at our disposal to be directed by the will of God. Verse 6, so much so that we urge Titus that as he began it, he should also complete this beneficent and gracious contribution among you, the church at Corinth. Verse 7, now as ye abound and excel and are in the front in everything, in faith, in expressing yourselves, in knowledge, in all zeal, and in your love for us, see to it that ye come to the front now and abound and excel in this gracious work of, also, of almsgiving also. Verse 8, I give this not as an order to dictate you, but to prove by pointing out the zeal of others, the sincerity of your own love also. Verse 9, for you are coming progressively to be acquainted with and to recognize more strongly and clearly the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his kindness his gracious generosity, his undeserved favor, and spiritual blessing, in that though he was so very rich, yet for your sakes he became so very poor, in order that by his poverty ye might become enriched, abundantly supplied. Verse 10, it is then my counsel and my opinion in this matter that I give you when I say, It is profitable and fitting for you now to complete the enterprise, which which more than a year ago you not only began, but were the first to wish to do anything about contributions for the relief of the saints at Jerusalem. So now finish doing it, that your enthusiastic readiness in desiring it may be equaled by your completion of it according to your ability and means. Verse 12, for if the eager readiness to give is there, 
then it is acceptable and welcomed in proportion to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. Verse 13, for it is not intended that other people be eased and relieved of their responsibility, and you be burdened and suffer unfairly. Verse 14, but to have equality, share and share alike, your surplus over necessity at the present time, going to meet their want and to equalize the difference created by it, so that at some other time their surplus in turn may be given to supply your want. Thus there may be an equality. Verse 15, as it is written, he who gathered much had nothing over, and he who gathered little did lack nothing, did not lack. Exodus 16, 18. You'll find that that was referring to when they gathered manna. And so everyone got to eat <clears throat> there and had, had enough. I found this to be very, a very joyful time, even in spite of all the... Uh, all the chaos that was out there, all the trees down, all the destruction and all the, uh, the damage done. There's a deep, a deep, deep joy that comes from serving this way. I know that's no new thing. I'm sure you all felt that way too. In fact, I know many of you did. I, I could see it. I so appreciated the way that the church body worked together and gave themselves uh, this past week, and I want to bless everyone for that. I titled this message this morning, uh, Who for the joy that was set before him, and you will know that comes out of that verse there in Hebrews 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I'm sure many of you also knew that, and that was probably the motive for many of you wanting to go in the first place because you know the feeling that follows a day of hard work, dead tired, and yet very happy in spirit. And that's, I think, a little bit what Jesus saw as he looked down on the earth and he saw the needs of humanity and he saw the price, he saw the cost, and he saw and he knew the joy that would follow. And he chose to come and pay that price. He, he saw us in need. He responded to that need voluntarily. And it says here, it was because uh, uh, for the joy that was set before him, it kind of gives a picture that that's what motivated him to do it. I'll make this sacrifice I'll push aside this, I'll lose this paycheck. I won't get a paycheck this week, so to speak, some of us. I know it's going to cost me something, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Was it worth it? Uh, some heads are shaking. It was worth it. Hallelujah. It was worth it. Okay, I drew a few points out of here, and I better keep going because I'm going longer already than, than I'm wanting to. 
One very important thing here that we see is to make this all right in the sight of God and even right in our own hearts, works like this need to spring out of the grace of God, right? And that's what Paul says in the first verse here. And it's kind of old English there. What is he saying when he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. He's simply saying, we want to declare, Father, the reason that these churches are giving so much is because of the grace of God in their lives. Now, I know there was hundreds of people helping in, in Cedar Rapids, and they were very helpful, and they, probably many of them were not Christians. But for us, this, this is the real thing when our when our motive and our desire springs out of something, something deeper than self. It is the grace of God that we are working out of. Moreover, brethren, we want to ex- declare, Father, to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Some of these people said, why do you do this? You mean you're just giving your time? Derek, when I called him, he said, after I told, I, I said, Derek, we, we have a group of people that would like to come over. We have equipment. We'll help you out. He said, how much will you charge? I said, Derek, it's, it's free. It's voluntarily. Volunteer work. Really? I said, yeah. Well, sure. After a long silence. <laughs> oh, no, no. Well, sure, after he caught his breath, yeah, yeah. He said, I can't be there. I work for ADM. We're clear out of electric. He said, I have to be there long hours. It's a mess over there. He said, I can't be there. I'm sorry. And he said, to top it all off, my grandmother, which I'm very close to, died on Monday. Or, yeah, just died. I'm not sure of the day. I said, we'll come if we can. <clears throat> but we should give out of, the, out of grace-filled hearts. You know, I do believe it stands out. It's different when we give out of grace-filled hearts. People notice that, and that should be a concern, that they see Jesus in us. And I'm, I'm sure that was many, that was our desires, that they would see Jesus both in action in words and in spirit. Uh, Look at verse 5. It says, And this they did, not as we hoped. That looks kind of negative. So what's Paul saying? Well, I think it's a bad translation. If you look the word up, it also gives the definition of expected. This the churches of Macedonia did, not as we expected. They didn't just give a gift, but it says, first of all, they gave their own selves to the Lord. And my second point here is, first of all, giving ourselves to the Lord. And the picture that I get is here that of one that is totally surrendered to the Lord. Just, God, how, how can you use me? Here, use me, take my life, and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. That's what I think Paul is saying. Not as we expected. They went beyond our expectation. They not only gave the gift, but they gave themselves to the Lord. They were in it. They felt 
the need. Did you feel the need? Did you feel their grief? That's what Paul said the Macedonians did. They went beyond just the giving. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. Number three, giving beyond our power or ability. Verse three, let me read it again here in in my translation. For as I can bear witness, they gave according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, and they did it voluntarily. Giving beyond their ability and power. I don't know if I can describe that any further, but I think when we choose, when we say yes, I'll go. I tell you, that was so beautiful to see those hands coming up. I'll go. I'll go. That was exhilarating, brothers and sisters. I'll do it. I'll be there. I think when we raise our hand for God, we get grace that we don't have otherwise. Amen? We get grace that we don't have when we keep our hand down. I believe that. They gave beyond their power. We put long hours in. But there's something about working with a group that gives you strength. You keep going. It's just a blessing. And this phrase here, point number four, is what kind of led me to this whole text. And in in the King James it says, In verse 12, for if there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. A willing mind. I'll go. I'll go. And I know I I don't want to put anyone under condemnation. If you couldn't go, there was reasons some couldn't go. I couldn't go every day either. So, but just that heart, that, that attitude, I'm willing, I'll be there, I'll go. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. And I believe it's acceptable, as it says here to God, though our offering, though your offering may be small, smaller than others, they're not all the same, but it says here it's accepted by God according to, the, to what a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. I'd like to read a few comments from uh, Matthew Henry. I forgot to do that. If, I, if you allow me to go back to the first point on the grace of God there, it says, the grace of God must be owned as the root and foundation of all the good in us, and or done by us at any time. It is the grace and favor from God. Sorry, it is great grace and favor from God if we are made useful to others and forward to any good work. 
He commends the charity of the Macedonians so far from needing that Paul should urge them, they prayed him to receive the gift. Whatever we, whatever we use or lay out for God, it is only giving him what is his own. After all, we're his own. So we're just giving ourselves back what is already God's. We're just giving what is his own. All we give for charitable uses will not be acceptable of God, nor turn to our advantage unless we first give ourselves to the Lord. That's sobering. Kind of lines up with what he he says there in, in, in Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, where he says, if we give without love, it's of no, no profit. But here he says, we should give ourselves, first of all, to the Lord. So number five, faith first. This is an important point, I think. Uh, He mentions how forward the Corinthians were here and how they abounded in everything in verse seven. And he says, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. Faith is the root, and as without faith, it is not possible to please God. Our work needs to be faith-based. We need to be there because of our faith in God, not just to help out humanity, that's, that's a good deed, but our work should be based on our faith in God. So those who abound in faith will abound in other graces and good works also. And this will work and show itself by love. Great talkers are not always the best doers. But these Corinthians were diligent to do as well as to know and to talk well. To all these good things, the apostle desires them to add this grace also. To abound in charity to the poor. The best arguments for Christian duties are drawn from the grace and love of Christ. Though he was rich as being God, equal in power and glory with the Father, yet he not only became man for us, but became poor also. At length, he emptied himself, as it were, to ransom their souls by his riches, by his sacrifice on the cross, For what riches, blessed Lord, to what poverty didst thou descend for our sakes? And to what riches hast thou advanced us through thy poverty? It is our happiness to be holy at thy disposal. And that is so very, very true. Christ should be our example of how to do it. And when we do it that way, we are blessed and happy beyond compare. I think in a very small way, we could experience this week what Christ experienced when he, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and went through that for for us. Joe told me that he laid on his bed, I'm not sure if it was just the night prior or two nights after the storm. And he, he's an 81-year-old man, remember. 
And he calculated that it would probably take him at least six weeks to clean up his own backyard. He was dead serious. He was planning on doing that. 81-year-old man, six weeks. I think, I don't know what you think, he underestimated a bit. I don't think he would have done it in six weeks without any help. And what a joy to go in there and in a couple hours have that yard cleaned out. I think that's a little taste of what Jesus tasted. The joy that was set before him. I think we could have a little taste. We had big equipment. In a sense, we, we had the means. We had excavators. Loaders, chainsaws, pole saws, people, personnel, rakes. We had what it took to make the difference, and that quickly. Joe, and he was going to do it. 81-year-old man. He said, I have a brand new chain on my saw, and it's zinging. It's zinging. And I was actually scared for the man. A brand new chainsaw, 81 years old, he is stumbling in the midst of the forest, you know, along with us, just going for it. At one point, he literally went down. Chainsaw went flying, and he just tumbled down, stumbled and fell. Got right back up and went at it. Maybe he would have done it quickly with his determination, quicker than six weeks. I don't know, but I just saw a comparison here. In comparison, we were... We were his salvation. We were what he needed. We cleaned up his backyard. And to me, that was a joy. Well, we uh, also helped the Pratts out there. That was a blessing. They were so choked up, they couldn't talk for a while. And... If I can do anything about it, it's not going to be the last time that we met. I hope we can do something to meet up with those folks again. Just our attitude. What can we pay you? They asked, and we said, well, we're here. We, we just want to do it for the glory of God. And I think they had that same feeling, well, thank you. And that's what we should have to God. Before God, we are even more hopeless than Joe was to, take, to meet our own need, to save ourselves. Joe eventually could have got his backyard cleaned out, but we will never, ever take care of our sin by ourselves. But I believe the Lord gave us just a small taste of that joy that Jesus experienced when he yielded himself to God's will. In closing, why don't you turn with me to Luke 17. Jesus had something to say about this kind of labors and work and service. Luke 17. And then I'm going to open it up for different ones to share. If you would, please share your experience, your story, your joy, your fulfillment, and... Uh, and so on. In, in Luke 17, Jesus talked about uh, verse 7. 
he gives this little account of a master and a, and a slave or a master and a servant. And he says these words in Luke seventeen seven. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he is come from the field, go and sit down and to meet? And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I trow not or I think not. So likewise ye, when ye shall have done all these things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. And I don't know how you find this parable or this account here, but it, it, it seems kind of selfish of the master to think about himself, first of all. So I tried to figure this account out a little bit here, and what I came up with is that this is in the setting of a master-slave context. It's a little different than what we think. The word unprofitable here does not mean that the slave, the master, does not mean that the master was not benefited by the servant. It does not mean that. That does not mean that the servant wasn't profitable to his master or that the master wasn't benefited. What that word means is unmeritorious. In other words, that servant was a servant not because he was so good, but simply because the master went to the slave auction that day and bought him. And it was by the master's choice that so-and-so was bought, not by his own merit. He was just one of the slaves. And so he takes him home and he starts working for this master and, and he's a good slave and, and the master's a good master. But it's just the way it was. You served the master because you were a slave. You were bought, not by your own merits, but because the master needed a slave. And I think it's just like we, before the Lord, are unprofitable, god saved us when we were dead in sins and trespasses. It's not that we aren't of any value to God. It's not that God won't use us, but it's just saying that we were not saved by our own merit. And I think one of the things that Jesus is pointing out here is, very important point, the master comes first. We don't think that way anymore, but that's how it is. Jesus is our master, and he should come first in everything we do. Christ should come first. We should give ourselves totally to Christ as we had in one of the other points. Christ comes first. But the thing about it is when we put Christ first, then we find out the joy of uh, uh, that Jesus is a very good master, and we love to serve him, and we don't mind at all coming in after a hard days of work and feeding him and washing his feet because he's a good master. He is so good. The life with this master is so good that we actually say, as we find in the Old Testament, that account, 
We go to the doorpost and say, Master, bore my ear through with an awl. I will be your servant for life. You are the best master. There is no better life around than with you. Pierce my ear through with an awl, and I will be yours for life. The result of that is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I just had a little bit of that this week. It was a blessing. That is when we say, Lord, I'm unprofitable. I mean, I want to do everything I can for you. But in perspective, in light of the big picture, you have done so much more for me. And what we're doing, what we're doing by going and helping people in their need, it's our, it should be the Christian response. It's not only, even, not only, only Christian, it, it should be also our natural response, but for sure, a Christian response. Because we love the Master. And we do it for his name's sake, and we do it in such a way that all the glory goes to him. But in closing, I just want to say again, part of my joy, my great joy this week was those hands popping up. That is a blessing. And I trust and pray we would just do it all the more, even in other needs around here. I'll do it. I'll be there. And thank you, Tyler, for laboring so hard and doing such a good job in organizing and, and, and uh, Myron and Zook and all the others that helped. Everybody together, we just want to thank the Lord for the good week. I'm looking forward to hearing some of testimonies from you all. If you have some, sorry to put you on the spot, Kendrick, to get you up here and, and, and lead out for testimonies, but I'm sure it'll be fine. So uh, keep, uh, keep it lively so it's not too hard on Kendrick. God bless you. I hope you were enriched.